This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7, we're talking travel. And Sally Lucas, we've got a program today of bits and bobs, I hear you say. I have said that. I'm just stealing that from an English friend who says it quite regularly, but I think it just about says what I'm going to do today. Just some interesting little bits and pieces. Firstly, I just thought I'd talk about product knowledge that travel agents have and a lot of us have been in the industry a long long time and I'm you know I've been in it well all my life so and a lot of us in our office too have and I'm sure there's other agencies that have the same situation where you've got very experienced staff members we do find the younger generation and even the baby boomers I guess now are using computers a lot more to access their information and that's fine up to a point I'm not negating that and I'm, I actually recommend to people that they do that it's not as always as up to date as the knowledge we get but at least it can help them plan and give them ideas we're there though really to give you that first hand knowledge and I think it's important for people to realize that when you've traveled somewhere you're so eager to impart that knowledge and pass it on to someone else just to make their trip that much more special I mean anyone can stay at a Best Western or a Travelodge, but we can might say, look, there's this beautiful little boutique hotel in this little area of the left bank of Paris. It's just delightful. It's right near a patisserie or whatever. So product knowledge, to me, is the most important thing in the travel industry. We can all look up fares and prices, and, I mean, that changes is ever-changing on a daily basis, but your knowledge is there forever. And we really love imparting that knowledge to people. And just in our office alone, just to give you an indication of some of the places we've been recently, is New Zealand, Vanuatu, South America, Cuba, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, Sabah, Egypt. Um, I could go on and on. Fiji, cruising, um, Europe, USA, um, Kuren Cove Resort at South Stradbroke Island, Daydream and the Whitsundays, um, oh, you know, Western Canada, Caribbean. Mexico. So there's a lot of the world out there that we've seen. So please never feel hesitant in asking us for information because we love talking about where we've been. We get quite passionate about it. So just remember that the internet's good, but if you want a little bit more personal information, always talk to your travel agent. They'll have a wealth of information for you. It must be hard to be travelling for a well for an occupation. Yes, absolutely. Um, and everyone says that. But I mean, you know, it's still a job, I suppose, like any job. But I guess these are the nice things about it when you can sit down and be passionate. I mean, calculating airfares and taxes and all that sort of thing isn't all that exciting. But talking about places is what really inspires us. And um, hopefully it inspires other people to travel. So, And a few other bits and bobs. I just thought we'd mention, uh, as we have most years, the annual Skytrax World Airline Awards. They're, they're oh, considered... That you know, time again. Yes, hmm. the best. And British Airways, believe it or not, has jumped up four places from last year and they are now the airline of the year. Mm. So they've really um, upped their game, if you like to say, but they do have wonderful business and first class too. I mean, they're one of the first to introduce the more flat beds. and So they've got lots of good facilities on their flights now. And of course, they do have the World Traveller Plus, which is that section between business and economy for those people who want a bit more comfort but not necessarily fly business. Are those things likely to have brought them up in the scale? I think it would have. Mm. Uh, it's all judged on people's comments. This is how it's worked, actually. It's feedback from people who are travelling with the airline. They fill out a little form on in-flight, and they, they gather all these over a year, and it, it's the comments they get, the feedback they get about how they feel all sorts of things are handled, from check-in to luggage to the comfort on board, the, the space between seats, the food, the staff. You know, So there's lots of criteria, 
Um, Qantas is still in there, though. It got um, number two for the second consecutive year behind mm, British that's Airways. That's very good, too. And Cathay, which I think was number one last year, is dropped to number three, but, I mean, it's still in that top area. So there's not a lot between all these airlines, but just to let people know that that's happened. And with British Airways, while we're talking British Airways, they've actually changed or are changing their luggage rules. I don't know whether you know, Jane, or you've noticed how many people turn up on flights with what I call the most ridiculous amount of hand luggage I've ever seen. I mean, they try to police it, and some airlines are better at policing it, I must admit, than others. Some don't seem to care. And it's so unfair to other customers when you actually do the right thing and take your right amount of hand luggage and someone else walks in with bucket loads. But what they're going to be doing from 11th of October, they're having the free allowance, but it will be a maximum of 23 kilos. I don't know whether people realise we've got 20 in economy, but business and first always got 30 So now they're not going to. They're only going to have 23. So everyone will have 23. No, it means that's the maximum weight will be 23. Mm -hmm. We're still in economy. If we travel in economy, we only have 20. 20. But the others will only have 23. And also they're just making sure now that they actually are stringently... um, stick to the requirements of hand luggage. It must be like a slim briefcase or laptop, a slim piece of hand luggage that definitely would fit underneath the seat of you, even though it may go in the overhead locker. So a lot of the luggage that's coming on now will fit in the overhead locker, but there's no way it would ever fit underneath a seat. So they're really being quite strict about this, and it will be, you know, checked on check-in to go onto the plane, and you can be forced to go back downstairs and recheck in that piece of hand luggage as luggage. Mm. So people just to be aware of that, and you never know. I don't know about other airlines at this stage, but if someone starts something like this, you often find the other airlines will come on board as well. Yes. So just to keep that in mind, and it really it is only a sensible thing to limit your hand luggage anyway. Yes, it is not have quite so much in the cabin with you. Yes, exactly. It should only be the basic essentials that you need, toiletries and a few bits and pieces, a book or camera, whatever that you don't want in your hand, you know, in your actual suitcase. We're talking travel and this is 2NURFM 103.7 and uh, Sally, we're on to some more bits and bobs this segment. Some more awards, in fact. In fact, yes, and I couldn't help but mention this one. It was been awarded to Aurora Expeditions, and whether people may remember, it was a company I've travelled to um, the Antarctic with, and they just do small ship cruising, and they only take about 54 people. Sounds like fairly adventurous type. It's, uh, it's adventurous type stuff that basically they started really just doing the Antarctic, and then they now do cruises in the Amazon. So at each time of the year, they can move the vessel so that the vessel is fully operational all year round. Then they do the Arctic in the opposite season, of course, so they do the Arctic. And what they've just won, um, it's one of the America's most prestigious um, lifestyle and travel mag, adventure travel magazines, has awarded them the um, polar category for trip of the year for their Antarctic climbers and photographers' voyage, just to give you an idea of some of the climbing oh, they do. Oh, wow, Jane, yes, I'm looking at the most fabulous photo. It's sort of a, well, is it a wall of ice, ice with yes. one person at the bottom, presumably climbing up because there are four up the top? To- that's right. Mm. So they do, all their Antarctic expeditions do have a different um, theme, if you like. So the one we did was sea kayaking. The other one is the photographer's climbers. There's a diving one and so on. So they all have a little different theme, and you can pick the one that, I guess, select the one that suits you best. So that was, I thought, was quite a feather in their cap mm. to actually achieve that. And as I said, they only take, of course, uh, up to 56 people maximum. It's called the Polar Pioneer. And they do some wonderful expedition cruising um, which to areas that have a magnificent diversity of wildlife, beauty, scenery, etc. So always just keep them in mind. I mean, other than the Antarctic, as I said, we've got the Amazon, we've got the Arctic, and they're now also cruising 
what they say, they're unravelling the mysteries of the Scottish Isles. Uh-huh. So that would be wonderful as well because this is a, a side of Scotland that's rarely seen by visitors because there'd be no way that you'd get to these areas other than by vessel. And, of course, being a small vessel, they can do this. And they've got an 11-day journey that follows the north coast of the Scottish Isles and it weaves its way through the um, fertile areas of the Orkneys, um, the Shetlands and, of course, the, the Outer Hebrides as well. So quite um, a lovely cruise to do if you want to see a little bit of Scotland that would be quite, I suppose, special and not seen by many other people before. Um, and, of course, you've still got your wildlife, of course, because you've got seals, otters, whales, dolphins, all along that area. And they do daily excursions like they do in the other areas, using the inflatable zodiacs and sea kayaks, again, to take you into these wonderful areas and encounter wildlife and wonderful photographic opportunities. And on all their vessels, they always have a naturalist or a historian who gives talks as well, or a botanist. So they're wonderful journeys to do. So if you're looking for something special in cruising, always consider Aurora. And, of course, for the Scottish one, you could take your kilt as well. You could at least and do a little bit of a, a reel or a Scottish fling or whatever Indeed. they do. <laughs> an island fling as opposed oh, to no, an island that's fling. Right. And talking small ship cruising, the Coral Princess, which has been running cruises mainly in Australia, around the top end, Broome and, of course, Queensland, they're expanding now and basing a vessel in um, New Zealand and also in New Caledon, Vanuatu. So for anyone who wants to do some lovely cruising around the Bay of Islands of New Zealand, I mean, that's a delightful part of the world. Um, And you go into scientific reserves and different islands, again, that you wouldn't get to under normal circumstances because there'd be no way of getting there. So So how big is this ship, Sally? well, I haven't got the tonnage with me here. It's got about, about three decks and it takes about 70 people. Right. Mm. So it would be something like the size if you've seen like Captain Cook cruises or, you know, something like that mm-hmm. nature. Um, about 70 people they take and it leaves from Paihia in the Bay of Islands and cruises around all these beautiful little islands and back to Paihia. And they've also got some, as I said, in New Cal and, and Vanuatu and the New Cal one does the Isle of Pines and then up into the Loyalty Islands to the north of New Caledonia and there's another one sails from there across to Tanner Island, which of course has the marvellous, breathtaking Mount Yasur, that most accessible um, active volcano in the world, really. <laughs> so that's quite unique as well. So just to let people know, there is some wonderful cruise options out there now, and not big ship cruising, but small ship cruising. Um, and also Avalon Waterways, who have been have been going from strength to strength with their river cruising in Europe since all that started, they're now placing a vessel in the Nile. So there's going to be some wonderful, um, and of course they're really upmarket, lovely river vessels. So you can now cruise the Nile in 2007, and they've got some savings out on that too. If if people want to book by, I think before September, it's about 660 per couple saving if you want to do one of the new Nile cruises as well. So lots of lovely different cruising options out there for people today. We'll be talking travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news here on 2NURFM 103.7.